You're about to listen to youth-produced content from Listen Up Youth Radio. Listen Up is a Twin Cities social enterprise working at the intersection of youth employment, leadership, and media production. Learn more at www.listenupyouthradio.org. This episode originally aired in December 2018. Hi, welcome to First Gen. My name's Ijoma. And I'm Chino. This is a show about political and social issues and everything in between. Welcome back to First Gen. My name's Ijoma. And I'm Chino. And today we have a really interesting episode in store. So basically, we're going to be talking about action versus words, uh, hypocrisy on social media, in-school suspension, and this whole media controversy on lightening and darkening your skin. Now, starting with the first topic, which is going to be more the lengthy one about actions versus words on social media. Basically, the premise of what this topic is going to be on about is how people, people who are typically influencers, differ from how they actually are in real life to how they act on social media and the differences in what they say. So, for example, if someone is telling those people that they are influencing like you shouldn't be doing this when it comes to politics like you shouldn't be doing that like you are if you're going to be really this you have to do this but in their own personal life they aren't doing those things and are Mm -hmm. doing things that are actually problematic that's something that we've been seeing like on the rise when it comes to like influencers on social media that have like a political following on like instagram or twitter uh, specifically like Twitter, I guess, even more since Twitter is really becoming, like, yeah. the center of, like, all political conversations and controversy recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just basically hypocrisy in social media that we're seeing. I feel like recently we, as a culture, have started re- rewarding words over actions. Like, we'd so much rather get, like, the thrill of, like, posting on Twitter and saying, like, hashtag this and then not even, you know if you're like not even putting any actual energy into like the movements. And it's really just like a snowballing effect from like the entire gun control controversy, like how people were acting on social media and mm-hmm. just going to the march just like to take a picture and post it on Instagram and Twitter. Like this has just been a continuing issue in like American society, I think, because it starts with people like not actually caring about the actual issue, but rather just want political clout on social media. And it's has snowballed into the current day people telling people what to do and not doing those things themselves. Uh, We genuinely believe that when, how someone acts on social media and what they say on social media is like the epitome of what they are. We believe and trust them wholeheartedly, which is actually really problematic in itself because you should always be, not to be like, you should always be suspicious of everything, but always making sure you have like a sense of skepticism and making sure that you're not believing everything you see on social media, which is just, like, a continuing, like, narrative that we keep hearing, but, like, it's the truth. Like, it's not only in, like, fake news, but it's also, like, in the people that we're dealing with on our daily lives. hmm I don't know. I feel like... I'm sure this has always existed in the fact that, like, people just really quickly, you know, capitalize off a movement and buy a sticker, put it <laughs> on their computer, or, like, tweet it on Twitter. Well, obviously not tweet it. That's pretty new. But, you know, do those things but not actually, like, you know, educate themselves about the things that they are preaching. Like, one part of me is, like, maybe, you know, maybe you should, you know, try to do things 
outside your comfort zone and actually you know be a part of what you're preaching but also part of me is like what if they can't or what if they're afraid to or something like that but then there's also those people who are like aren't even taking that into consideration that just like you know aren't proactive in like the communities that they advocate for on social media there's those people who shame other people for doing those things and aren't actually like yeah. doing anything themselves that's very true i think there's a common culture i think we both noticed it where um it's like the next step to getting as many likes as you want on Instagram is to post, you know, something that probably doesn't even pertain to you in the fact of, like, I do this because I'm this way or, like, support this movement or, you know, go out to vote. But it's, like, it's the same people who are doing this just to get, like, clout on Instagram or, like, the same people who just don't engage. It's really interesting, actually, because... These are people who, like, would agree with you when they hear you saying this, but don't take the time to self-analyze if they're doing this, if the if what we're talking about is, like, mm-hmm. them. Um, it's true. Because I feel like a lot of people, who, uh, especially, like, especially, like, liberals who, like, don't really keep up with news as much, when they hear something that's slightly liberal, they're just jump on the bandwagon and they're like completely right with it wholeheartedly without even knowing anything about it or without you know taking a deep analysis to what it actually is like whether you're not whether you're like conservative or liberal you should always be informed of everything you're doing right like you should always like keep an open mind with everything have skepticism towards everything so you know that you're not just having like a biased view but rather you're like understanding it from every point of view yeah, no, I completely agree. This also might just be more like Minnesota culture, like when we talk about it in the facts of the people that we might have interacted with sometime recently. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really noticed this whole like just contradictions, like especially when sometimes you'll be around people and, you know, you'll be in a situation where it's like, okay, this is the time, like this is our time to like inform someone or to like change something. And people will just sit there and, like, not do anything. And it's almost like, but you just tweeted about that <laughs> last week. And it was just, you know, it's just so interesting about how we're able to, like, be so, like, just like, they, righteous just like oh, no, that's, that's so sad. Like, oh, well, like, they just turn a blind eye when it's, like, happening, like, down oh, the road. Or, like, maybe that's even a little more specific. Like, let's talk about mental health, right? Every, like, we know people online who be like, mental health awareness is super important and, you know, always reach out to people when, like, when they might need help or, or if they want help, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you'll be in situations in real life and you'll see someone who might be struggling and, like, there are certain people who will completely turn a blind eye and will just be like, eh, I don't really want to like, deal with that. That seems like it is work. I don't want to do that. We're, like... You're advocating for work to take time out of your day to help other people, and you're just in real life not doing that. Don't. Oh, or like, we should even get more specific. Like, we were just talking about this in the car, but at our school, there's a new club that came up. It was just like a silly club, you know, as high schoolers do. It wasn't even a club. Like, it's not even like registered with the school. It's just like a bunch of kids made it like a meme. Like, you know, those within school memes that people just like catch on to. And then, like, girls from there. Like, it was one of those things. And so our school also was going through some pretty big changes and, like, trying to become more progressive. 
and there are several clubs that are working um, really hard to get numbers to like support them on certain causes. And basically on Friday, we saw an entire school like organized together to go to a club about drinking water. And when clubs such as Women's Empowerment and like Multicultural Student Union like ask people to come to, you know, focus groups or to like, you know, make sandwiches for this organization that they're gonna be donating to or certain things like that, no one shows up. Which is really interesting because these are the same people who on Twitter and on Instagram told me to go vote and told me <laughs> to go make a change. But like when we ask you to come to certain like organizing spaces, they're just nowhere to be found. They just like I understand they're like kids still. Like a lot of these are like underclassmen and like don't really understand like the seriousness of what they're doing. But at the same time there has to be like some self awareness in your own actions and taking a step back and thinking, what am I actually doing? Like where am I putting my energy? Which like, is yeah. Am I saying what I'm telling other people to do? Am I saying what am I doing what I'm advocating for? Because mm -hmm. a lot of the times people don't take the time out of their day to actually focus on themselves, but rather focus on other people. Like, I, I think that before you judge anyone else, you should be judging yourself. Mm -hmm. And also, like, too, like, no one's perfect, right? Like, we're, you know, not everyone, you can't put your energy 100% into the things you say. Like, it's okay to say things and believe them and not do them. Um, that's completely okay. I just feel like with this new like mask like media culture we have, it's like it's just becoming so frequent that it's like I find myself even, you know, like someone would say something and I'm like, oh, but like, do you mean it? <laughs> and the fact that, not that people don't mean it, it's just that there's so many instances where, you know, we see these people, like people will tell us to do things and then not do them themselves, kind of almost like invalidates all, not all actually, like, invalidates certain like actions and words on social media no, like i can't trust you anymore because you did this like how do you expect me? it's like the boy who cried wolf like you keep saying these things and you keep telling us like oh you need to do this or i'm gonna shame you for it but you don't do it yourself and then at the moment where people are going to have to look for credibility it's not going to be with you you know like mm -hmm. people aren't going to be trusting you because they know what kind of person you are the type of person who doesn't do what they preach yeah so or like even in the fact of how, you know, activism has, like, definitely become very trendy <laughs> in the fact that, you know, everyone wants to go out and, you know, speak about what they, um, the things they believe in, which is actually, which is really cool, too. Um, but I, I almost feel like, like, as a culture in the fact, especially, like, kids in high school, um, like, I remember we were telling our friends, like, we were all talking about, I don't remember what we were talking about, but we're like, yeah, you should go out and... You know, like there are certain like places and organizations that we you can join that are super about this, and they'll just say, "I don't really know where to find that, mm -hmm. so I'm just not gonna do it." They're like, it seems like work, energy, they don't want to put in, and it's it's really irritating because they know it's a problem, they just don't care about it enough to actually do anything about it. Um, it's the same thing I think we were talking about probably like our first or second episode where, you know, when you are advocating for something and you are, you know, calling for action on a certain issue and you're not 
being like proactive or consistent with it and you're sh- like there's a term for this or maybe I should just make up my own term right now but like advocacy shaming like shaming like people for how they're trying to advocate for something when it's not fitting your own definition as to what activism should actually be I think that's something that's like super important because not everyone shows care about something in the same way that you do the pe- the way people display their activism and display their care for other issues is different every singular way the problem is when people don't like they claim that they care about a certain issue right but then they turn around and do absolutely nothing about it or they're doing what they think is their own definition of activism, maybe right? Maybe it's, like, the way we define ally. Because I know that yeah. at the beginning of, like, when everything was starting to come really trendy, it's, like, these huge conversations on, like, don't speak over people, like, don't take spaces, be an ally. Maybe in some way that, like, huge platform of, you know, learning how to be an ally, I don't know, maybe, like, I don't know the word, like, de-incentivize or, like, discouraged people from, you know, moving past just Twitter and, like, you know, just staying there, maybe because they think it's their place in the in the, in the the sense of the word, because there's definitely, there's, like, two sides to every story in the fact that, you know, sometimes people who do, you know, step out and are, like, really passionate about a certain topic um, are, like, sometimes considered, like, taking spaces. Yeah, definitely. And maybe that kind of, like, culture of, like, yo, watch yourself like, stopped people, certain kinds of people from, like, taking another step. I don't know. It's very interesting on how this works. And maybe also, like, just to flip the coin, maybe online activism, like, online talking is activism. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, there are people like Sean King. I mean, Sean King does a lot. Like, he does a lot in communities. but (laughs) But, like, his words are like on social media, are spread so much. But, I mean, I guess he also is doing other things, like, outside of it. But, I mean, there is a thing to, you know, social activism. But I guess just kind of, like, summarize everything. Instead of just, like, putting a Black Lives Matter pin on your, like, jacket, like, let's do some, like, you know, let's come together and, like, find ways that we can make tangible change. Like, actually talk to people who agree with you. Like, you need to muster up conversation and discussion and not only mm-hmm. be agreeing with people, but rather finding ways, even if it's just a small thing. Like, yeah. even if it's just, like, handing out flyers in your school or, like, talking to your teachers about, you know, one program that, you know, you've always wondered about. Or just, you know, it can be small, but, like, I feel like social media has, it just gives us the instant gratification of, oh, I did something time to go do something else now (laughs) i've done my part (laughs) yeah like let's not stop at social media let's go beyond that too because really like it doesn't really do anything yeah it raises advocacy but what's what's the point of advocacy if like there's no action there's no action to what you're calling for so yeah yeah that's it we what we have for like the hypocrisy lengthy part of this uh episode today it was just something that we were talking about in the car and we were like really wanted to Bring it up because it's something that we're all seeing that's only growing. So, 
Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Chino. And I'm Ijoma. And now we're going to go into the second segment of today, which is something that Ijoma and I have actually been talking about for a long time, something that uh, we're actually making sure is actually being brought up in our school. Um, that's the topic of in-school suspension and yeah. the problematic culture behind what it actually is and who it's yeah. affecting. So basically at our school, uh, when you have like attendance issues or, you know, you talked back to a teacher or disciplinary, like yeah. disciplinary issues, uh, you get this thing called in-school suspension, which basically means that they take you out of school for two classes and you sit in an all-white room and you do nothing. I mean, they tell you to do your homework, but, like, you're not required to do your homework in there. Um, and so there's been, like, this – it's been, like, really – okay, essentially, the people who are in these rooms are all people of color. Uh, all black and, like, Latino people are in these rooms. And we've just noticed a really big problem in the fact that kids who are missing school for various reasons then have to come to school – to miss more of it because they've been placed in in-school suspension. And you're not told to keep up with any of the work that you've been missing. There is absolutely no requirement for you sitting in that room, just simply that you stay in that room. Mm-hmm. The majority of the time, that's only keeping up, like, sort of the behavior that they were already displaying in that classroom. It's not doing anything to actually, like, reform their behavior or making sure that they're getting on like the so-called like right track of things. It's just creating a bigger achievement gap. It's creating gap. a bigger achievement gap. It's widening the gap. It's only furthering the school to prison pipeline because not only are you taking these kids out of class to sit in a room and do nothing, but you're also criminalizing them at the same time. Like that does nothing good for the school, them, their mental health. If you yeah. start treating someone as such, it's going to have serious like mental repercussions to how they actually think about themselves and That's the potential that they have. Yeah, like um, like Brittany and I talk about uh, the achievement gap in our school quite a bit, and our principal even told us like the average scores of students of color compared to like their white counterparts in our schools, and like essentially students of color are lagging so behind which really makes no sense because we go to a school that prides itself on good test scores and good teachers and hard curriculum that challenge students. But for some reason, like the only people who are benefiting from this system are like white students, which is really problematic because when we see that students of color are lagging so far behind and then we see them literally not being in class and sitting in a room in a library, it's just so problematic in the fact that this is probably one of the biggest factors contributing to like the achievement gap like can you believe class is still going on (laughs) and they're just not like they're being like taken away from listening like if you have attendance issues which one they never actually get to the bottom as to why they're missing school which is really important because it could be family it could be you know mental health it could be physical health. It could be so many reasons like why you're not going to school. It's just another way the academic the academic system is like treating no dehumanizing students. Like they're mm-hmm. just like oh you're just skipping class because you don't want to be in class. When in reality, the factors of students of color not attending class are so much more bigger and have yep. so much like bigger reasons as to why they're doing so. Like it's not only like you know 
intergenerational trauma aside from people not wanting to be in classes, but also just what people have to deal with in their own personal life that contributes to this issue. Yeah, like the other day, I was in a study hall, so I didn't have a class, but there was a girl that I had seen in the library like a lot, like girl of color, and she literally came up to me like two weeks ago and said, do you have a pass I can use so I can go back to class? And Astro was like, oh, like, why aren't you in class or anything? Like, you should go to class. And she said, I'm literally embarrassed. She was like, I'm not doing well in math class. Like, I just don't feel like, I don't want to be around people who know what they're doing. Like, she was embarrassed to go to class. And this is a girl I see in ISS all the time, which makes me really sad because, one, there aren't environments where kids feel comfortable enough to ask questions or, like, feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable in not knowing something, especially in, like, an all-white school, that they'd rather not go to class. Uh, to like preserve their mental health honestly and then they're forced to like skip more school when that they do get in trouble that says so much about the environment of what that kid is in because they a, a kid first of all shouldn't have to feel embarrassed about their position in the class when, uh, at all mm-hmm. the child should be completely comfortable in being going in the to school and learning going yeah. to school and learning asking questions but at the point where the student feels ashamed of like where they are in terms of like their academic success to the point where they do not ask for help because they are too afraid of being judged by their teachers, by their peers. Mm-hmm. Like it just screams that the the school system that we're in is so competitive that it's so toxic for students that they yep. when they're just a little behind, they already feel an immense pressure to catch up or just feel like sense of a sense of being worthless. Yeah. Also, like, you get ISSR school, like, if you don't turn in a certain amount of, like, homework assignments, that they call, like, homework detention, which can, like, result in in-school suspension, which is also really messy, because I remember, like, when I was a freshman, I didn't do my homework because I didn't know how to do it. And, it, like, it wasn't even that I didn't look at it. I literally looked at some things that I was like, wow, there is no way I'm going to do this. And this was before I had known about all the resources, like, like, for example, there's this thing called Slater, like, online, that has, like, almost every American um, textbook. textbook and has every answer to it. And, like, of course, like, some students will just use it to copy answers. But for me, like, I really needed to see the answers to know how to work backwards. So, like, I can't just look at a blank sheet of paper and just know what to do. And so before I had known about any of those resources, I literally wouldn't do my math homework because I didn't know where to begin. And it's just really sad that, you know, that was before ISS at our school got really serious, where they really were putting kids in there all the time. Um, but the fact that if you don't do your homework, you have to go to that is just crazy to me. Because, like, it's just so sad. Because those students, you know, when I was a freshman, I went to homework detention because I was a part of a, I was part of a program called AVID, which, like, a lot of schools have which are particularly for, like, students of color who um, are in, like, lower economic situations, uh, who are first-generation, wanting to go to college, uh, parent, like, kids who come from immigrant families who don't really know about the American education system. And what AVID does is if you have, like, I think it was, like, three or more missing assignments in a class, you were uh, sent to homework detention, and you weren't allowed to leave until like a certain amount of time which was i think it was like two or three hours that you like had to stay after school mm-hmm. um and if you didn't go to homework detention you had the like actual detention like you 
And if you didn't go to detention, you had suspension in general. Ooh, not even like in school? No, like genuine suspension. Also, the thing is, though, it's really backwards. Like, the other day, my school tried to give me in-school suspension (laughs) for, like, attendance issues or whatever. And, like, the lady at the desk told me, she's like, okay, so you have detention now. You have to come in after school and stay here for three hours. I was like, ooh, I can't do that. I Like, I don't have a ride home. I also had other things, like, I had to do, like, within the school, too. She was like, well, okay, well, if you can't go after school, then you have to go during school. And I was like, so now I have to miss my classes that I'm literally already struggling in just to, like, get this cross that I went to detention off of. Which also brings me to, like, my next point, too. The fact that we don't have buses after detention is so problematic. Like, Like, what do you want from me? If you're going to force kids to stay after school, you have to get them home. Like, the same way that you get students to school because they have to be there, you have to get students home after if they have detention. It's actually ridiculous. Like, we don't provide any, like, after-school transportation, yet we expect these students to be at a certain place at a certain time, and they face consequences if otherwise. Yeah, like, it's not an activity. It's not an extracurricular. And, I mean, I think that clubs should have after-school buses, too, because, like, you should still be involved. And, like, a lot of kids aren't because they don't have that choice of going home after. But, I mean, it's not a choice to go to detention. You need to provide, like, you need to provide transportation. And that's why there's so many kids that are in ISS. Like, it's such a systematic problem. It's because, like, well, I can't stay after school. Like, my parents work all day or they're looking after kids all day. I don't have a car, so I can't really stay after. And a lot of, like, I remember I had a friend. um, I had a friend my freshman and sophomore year and she had to miss attention at times because she had to be home to take care of her little sisters who were like significantly younger than her and who just genuinely could not take care of themselves the fact that school doesn't actually provide like an open mind to how students actually live their lives is so upsetting Mm -hmm. like schools need to understand that there isn't like a one-size-fit-all system for every student but rather every student has a different way of understanding the academic system and different ways of reforming the way that they are behaving. Or not even that, like like that too. And also the fact that ISS is so embarrassing because, and they do it on purpose. They They keep the door open so every student that walks by looks in the room. And then you also have a teacher who's sitting on a desk outside of the, the room, like, you know, guarding you from leaving. And it's just the most, like, dehumanizing feeling. You're like in a zoo. No, you are. Yeah, you are in a zoo because they put you at the entrance of the library where everyone walks to go to class. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, again, student, why would I want to come to school the next day? When my teacher saw me in there, and then your my teachers friend have saw a me in there. way of thinking about you. Yeah. They don't think that you're a delinquent who doesn't care about school. school. Like, why would I want to come to school the next day? I have just been embarrassed. And, like, these are still kids. Like, I know that if I had been in ISS freshman year, I wouldn't have come to school the next day. I would have been embarrassed. It's embarrassing. Like, it's sad because people, not only now do you think you don't have the potential to do well in school, but mm-hmm. other students as well. And then when you get prejudice. so far behind, it's so easy to just be like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to do up. it anymore. Yeah. And, like, if I'm not in class and I get so far behind, then I just, I would stop trying. It's so hard to come back from that. So, thanks for listening to this segment. We'll be right back. And get to a really good song. I Want to Break Free by Clean. 
Welcome back to First Generation. My name's Ijoma. My name's Chino. And basically, we just wrapped up talking about in-school suspensions and just like the crazy world of just going to school and then uh, being pulled out of class. <laughs> basically, now we're going to quickly talk about um, this whole phenomena, you know, phenomena, this controversy that's been all over social media recently. Basically, we'll say the colloquial term, I don't know, colloquial term, and then we'll get into like the real implications of it. But basically, the drama is that certain influencers online have, you know, like certain like white influencers have started tanning themselves to the extreme, curling their hair, getting braids, getting braids, new injections, lip injections, to put them, and basically selling this like racial ambiguity to like their viewers and their subscribers in hopes of getting more, which is working. Um, they like fetishize black women so much to the point where they yeah, want to become one. Fetishize like, yeah, like darkness or, you know, not being able to tell what race you are. This kind of like, I don't know, like sort of like ethnic, like mysterious kind of like persona has been really interesting and basically what everyone's calling it on twitter which first kind of started started as like clownery but now literally a term for what this is called um it's like black fishing and the fact that like you're just not that but you're fishing to be it but in more uh real words cultural appropriation <laughs> basically what it is yeah like I think it's just like not it's only funny to me. no, it's like funny, but it's also just it's Sad. no, it's so ridiculous. It's funny yeah. because it's like, are you serious? Like, the the second part of the segment that we're going to be talking about is like what whitening your skin, but like that one's actually like that one. So really I think it's just absolutely crazy that like there's these what? European girls yeah. who have who aren't even American who like live and like have to coexist with racial minorities in America, but rather they have been living in Sweden their entire lives, you know, in the yeah. snow, <laughs> in areas where there's absolutely no heat, and then they expect uh, you to uh, believe that, oh, then, my skin gets like this in the summer. Then they, summer. they went from the foundation color eggshell to the darkest like Shade skin color you offer. could possibly be. The thing is too, is that like, it's just so, it's so backwards. Like, yeah. literally so many, like, darker-skinned people go so long in their lives trying to fit this European standard of beauty. Like, they won't go outside. Their parents are like, stay inside. Like, don't get darker. They'll straighten their hair They'll to a crisp. sunscreen on you. Yeah. And it's like, you'll try so hard to, like, not look the way that you do. And, like, now that... You know, it just seems like the, the, the tides have flipped. Like, now you're seeing these new movements where, like, black women have started embracing their beauty. Like, mm, we're not going to perm our hair anymore. We're going to wear our braids and our natural hair and, like, embrace that kind of selves, the sides of ourselves. Or, you know, certain, like, so, so many different movements of, like, people of color, especially, like, women of color or, like, feminine people of color have just been like, I'm going to embrace this now. <laughs> and so now that we have white women who are like, oh, I'm going to embrace it too. It's just absolutely insane. Because I think they think it's, like, cool. Like, they're seeing yeah. this, and they're like, oh, like, this is new. This is, I want to be this. this new beauty. Like, I'm, yeah. It's really weird because it's, like, they're watching the movement from the outside. Mm -hmm. They're watching, like, 
women of color actually embracing who they are and not wanting to conform to like the European beauty standard. But now it's like, because they're seeing that and they're seeing like women like calling themselves beautiful yeah. and fitting this certain like narrative of being natural and being who they want to be, for some reason, <laughs> white women in Europe or white women in general on Instagram who are these influencers are just lightening their, uh, are darkening their skin because they want to be part of that. I think, like, I don't know, I love sci-fi. Like, when I watched Get Out, I was like, oh, my God, this is so scary. You haven't watched it yet, have you? No. I'm not going to do any spoilers, but what I will say is that Jordan Peele was spot on in the fact of, like, just white bodies, like, I'm going to ruin this movie for you. Like, white bodies, like, using, like, black bodies. It's just absolutely crazy because this is like exactly what's going on. I mean, we're obviously making generalizations. Every white influencer does not, you know, not portrayed to be but other. The ones who are doing black fishing, we're specifically talking yeah. about like it is actually it's crazy. Like and I don't, not, I can't wrap my mind around it. Also, it's like kind of crazy. This is like getting more into like <laughs> I don't know, like kind of I don't I wouldn't call it like petty issues, but in the fact of like there are dark skinned peoples who like still want to be like you know loved and like wanted and desired and now and like still no one's coming for them but like people who are choosing to darken their skin choosing to like curl their hair are still getting all the clothes it's it's so weird like a lot of these like influencers that are black fishing are in relationships yeah <laughs> and those relationships are typically like with people with white men or men who don't pertain to the race that they're trying to fit into, who are now romanticizing this person who darkens their skin and does every form of culture appropriation to the point where it's not even culture appropriation. It's just like it's just straight adop- mockery, yeah. like straight character. Like they're just making like a caricature of what they think is like this beauty. I don't know. I always thought that this culture. There's like one part of me. I don't know. I guess I never just understood this because when I was younger, I tried so hard not to be black. So when I, I would always like be like, why is there this thing called $5 tan? I always thought it was so bizarre. And like I was talking to like a friend that does tan. And she was like, and she doesn't tan extreme or anything. She just like, you know, tans. And I was like, why would you want to be darker? I actually asked her that. I was like, why would you, why would your mom, why would you guys want to be darker? Like you're fine. And she was like, I don't know. It's just that it's just so pretty to be darker and all this and all this stuff. Really? And I was like, well. No one told me that. Like, <laughs> no one told me it was pretty to be dark. This is new. I didn't <laughs> get the memo. <laughs> I didn't get it. And it's just crazy because, like, they sell skin tones. You can literally go to Sally's and just buy what color you want to be today <laughs> if you're privileged enough to change it. Which is also, like, kind of brings us into, like, the other side of it of, like, that everyone also was talking about. So recently... Or I don't know. I don't even want to call her a big celebrity, but like, kind of like the household name of like Black China, had just endorsed. Uh, she became like she just endorsed this company oh, called yeah. White Tenacious, something like that, that sells bleaching creams to people who are darker to then get whiter, and it's like this multi-million-dollar company, and they're you know launching their new line of cream in Nigeria in February. And they're having, like, a meet and greet and everything. And it's just crazy because, like, there are people who are trying so hard to be white and then there are people who are trying so hard to be 
black. But like, let's also like point out the differences and like yes. what these are, yes. right? Like people who are trying so hard to be a darker skin color, mm. they are voluntarily doing this themselves. They are putting this own narrative into their mind hey, yep. that being darker is prettier. Whereas vice versa, those who are trying to be lighter feel a pressure, a societal pressure yep. that they are not beautiful the way they are. Not even just like they're not beautiful. Like I won't get a job. I won't be respected. I'm not a human. Yeah, like I need to lighten my skin to be like considered worthy in this society, which is also really interesting because, like, yeah, the origins of these two industries are so different. <laughs> so different. Oh, that's really sad. And like, we even know people who've like, their parents like, oh yeah, just use this this cream. They don't even tell you what it is. They're just like, yep, just use this. Just force it on them. And yeah. It's crazy. And this is also, like, I always bring it back to, like, education in schools. Like, do people really, like, stop and think as to why we do this? Like, European colonization was so bad. It was (laughs) so bad. The fact that, like, they came, they pillaged, destroyed, and then marked themselves the epitome of beauty and then left. Like, it's insane. I forgot. There's a word for it. Like, we learned it in, like, AP Euro I didn't. But it's like, after they, like, you know, physically colonized, they had professors stay there and teach European narratives. So it was a form of, like, hmm. ah, this isn't the term, I know it isn't, but, like, academic colonization. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. They did this to, like, just about every society. <laughs> they were like, okay, so you're not going to worship your gods anymore. Uh, you're not going to read your books anymore. And you're not going to do things anyhow, like, any way you did them before. Now you're going to do them like this. And I don't know. Also, another thing that it comes to, like, lightning and, like, the color of our skin. I don't really want to get too much into, like, religion or anything. But, like, the image of God, too, in the fact that many people, at least the Christian God, many people look at that as a sign of, like, holiness. Oh, this is my God. And he's a white man with blue eyes. Jesus? Yeah. Jesus yeah. is a white man with blue eyes. And, like, I'm not a historian. I'm not going to get into, like, what he's supposed to look like or anything like that. But the fact that people drew him in their own likeness and then marketed that to mass amounts of people, like, of course, like, darker people are going to be like, maybe <laughs> this I is should. my Jesus. <laughs> maybe I should. You know, like, this is subliminally what is holy. This is what's good. This is pure. In the United States, this isn't really common. The most common, I think, form of Jesus is, like, the pale guy with brown hair right and blue eyes well okay yeah in latin america he has brown eyes maybe that's just because like it fits like the idea of like latinos yeah but like i guess uh in the united states there's like a blonde jesus no (laughs) yeah no are you serious yeah i have never seen that before google it when you get home (laughs) i saw it for like the first time a while ago and i my jaw dropped i was like y'all y'all think like this no, it's just so interesting. Like, I don't know. It's just <laughs> crazy. <laughs> it fits into like the narrative, like whatever country you're in. Like, this is my, <laughs> Je- this is what Jesus looks like. You're like, okay. I don't know. And it just kind of go back, goes back to like this whole thing. It's like, it's just crazy how you like draw yourself, <laughs> how you think of yourself, like that. No, yeah, because like the Latino Jesus has uh, brown hair. And, like, it, it's not, like, pale skin. Like, he has, like, sort of, like, a little 
little brown skin in him. Like, he's not mm-hmm. completely pale. And it, his brown eyes, the brown hair. Like, that's what he looks like. But then, like, you see, like, the, yeah. um, the figure of the American Jesus, and he has blue eyes, very pale skin. Oh, it's not even that, like, and sometimes is so crazy. Blonde hair. <laughs> like, let's even, like, you know, take it down from religion. Let's even just look at, like, music videos. Like, remember when you were, like, 10 years old, and, like, your mom finally let you go on YouTube, and you were like, hey, <laughs> I can watch music videos now. And then I'm, like, you're watching all the music videos, and, like, every single, like, girl in the video uh, was white. Or, like, I mean, now it's more like they're mixed. But, like, before it was, like, they're white, and you're like, where, like, where, where am, am I? I? <laughs> <laughs> I remember always thinking that. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, or even in movies, like, so, like, black girls don't, they're not in music videos. Like, we don't get any. I guess we don't sing, huh? We don't sing, huh? We don't it's dance. just kind of like those things where, like, so now we're getting representation, but in all the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. You're not. Why are you? Why are we buying these things? And here's the thing, too. Do we even, like, do we talk about the people using them or the companies that are selling them? Because well, both they're exploiting one to, people. One has to exist for the other to exist. Yeah, but, I mean, they're, they are demand. exploiting, like, I mean, the culture is, like, shifting a little. It's very slow. But, like, like darker-skinned people are, like, starting to get more clout. You know, they're like, oh, yay. So now they're like, oh, I want to be like this. And now you have more companies who are, like, selling by our new dark, dark Because black it's, like, pan. starting to be, like, what you see in music videos and, like, what's being portrayed yep. as, like, beautiful. it's not even, like, what's being portrayed as beautiful, but rather what's being sexualized mm, in media. So everyone who isn't looking like that is seeing these music videos, seeing, like, the these actresses, and then they're like, I don't look like that anymore. How can these, like, How can I be sexualized? Like, like, wh- like how can these companies live with themselves? <laughs> like, every, like, not all money is good money. I don't know. I can never sell something like that to people. Capitalism. That just, compl- like, just profits off of low self-esteem. Ugh, that's so gross. <laughs> what else is new? Like, it's Isn't not, it's not like nail polish. It's a little, like, change everything about yourself. Like, it's so sad. Change your facial structure today. So, basically, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> we'll be back January yeah. 11th. Yep. So, my name is Ijelma. I'm Chino. Thanks for listening. This was First Gen. Want to support more programming like this? Rate, subscribe, and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Then go to www.listenupyouthradio.org and click donate. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Listen Up Youth Radio. Tell your friends. This episode was edited by Ari Shapiro. Thank you for listening.